What's going on, Rock Church? I want to say hello to all the campuses, the seven campuses, gather around to praise God together. I want to say hello to all of them. I want to say hello to all the people in the military. God bless you. Let's give them a hand. Before you start walking out in disappointment because you were expecting to see somebody else, allow me to introduce myself. If we haven't met, my name is Mario Montoya. I'm one of the pastors here at the Rock Church. I'm the campus pastor at San Isidro. Amen, amen. Shout out to San Isidro. They're going crazy right now. I believe God has a word for you and uh, he's going to bless our time together. So once you close your eyes, bow your heads and let's pray. God, we thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to grow together. Would you challenge us? Would you encourage us? We ask that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we all say amen, amen. Back in May of 2018, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry tied the knot. Did any of you happen to watch the royal wedding on TV? All right, a few of you and a few of you will not admit to it. That's, that's okay. There's no shame. There's no shame. If you, if, if you watch it, it's all good. There was so much obsession about the royal wedding. Here in San Diego, there were many viewing parties. Did any of you attend one? I'm pretty sure some of you did. Uh, there was so much obsession. People dressing up to go to an event, to watch a wedding of someone they never even met. I thought it was a bit too much until my wife got invited to one. <laughs> At that point, I started rethinking uh, the royal wedding. And the more I thought about it, I realized that there is this excitement, this obsession to experience a glimpse of glory of what it would be like to experience something royal in an existing kingdom. And the more I think about this, the more I realize that there is this deep desire within our soul, within ourselves, to experience the kingdom of God, whether we acknowledge it or not. Today, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. And to be honest with you, we could probably spend the rest of our lives preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. But I, I would do no justice trying to unpack the kingdom of God in its fullness because it is so profound, his kingdom is eternal. But what we can do is take it back to the beginning to where the concept of the kingdom of God is introduced to us for the first time. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. Isaiah comes in at a time where Israel is experiencing overall success as a nation. If you remember, God chose Israel. He delivered Israel out of bondage, out of slavery in Egypt. He took them into the promised land, and then he established them as a great nation. Now, Israel is experiencing all the blessings that God offered them. Now, there are some kingdoms around Israel, and little by little, they start focusing a lot more on these kingdoms instead of focusing on God. Little by little, they desire to become more like these kingdoms of this world instead of becoming who God say they were. I wonder if sometimes 
We become so consumed in trying to become someone we're not to please people around us, people that don't even matter, over choosing to believe who God says we are. Israel was in this path to the point that they said, you know what, God, we're good. We don't need your protection anymore. We don't need your provision anymore. We're good. We got kingdoms around us. They want to make an alliance with us. So we're good. And God honors their request, their desire to go and try things on their own. Isaiah, he comes in the picture. As a prophet of God, he goes and addresses the, leader, the leaders of Israel. And he says, you're so foolish. Why would you do that? You're driving yourself into self-destruction. You see, the kingdoms of this world who you're putting your trust in, they are going to come against you. They're going to take over. And then they're going to enslave you. And they're going to take over your land. They're going to destroy your fortified cities. And they're going to destroy the temple. Isaiah prophesies all this. And as Isaiah prophesied, it came to pass. They were enslaved. Their temple was destroyed. The city was destroyed. And when they're left in the ruins, in the ashes, seeing all the, 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 the walls on the floor, they remember that Isaiah also prophesied that when they were in that dark moment, in that moment of hopelessness, that they will remember that they had a God. And at that moment, they were going to cry out to God. And in the desperation, God was going to send a messenger that he was going to proclaim peace, good things, salvation. In their desperation, the messenger was going to present that the kingdom of God was going to be restored. And this is where we're going to pick up the passage in Isaiah 52, verse 4. Isaiah 52, verse 4. For thus says the Lord, my people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what, ha what have I here, says the Lord? My people are taken away for nothing. Those who rule over them make them well, says the Lord. And my name is blasphemed continually every day. Modern version, er, day. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who, who proclaims peace. Say peace. peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Say good things. Peace. Who proclaims salvation. Say salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Turn to the person next to you and say, your God reigns. <laughs> Isaiah points out that God's kingdom is going to be restored. And in his kingdom, there's going to be peace. His kingdom is going to be good things. And in his kingdom, there's going to be salvation. But he is going to challenge them to rethink what they're thinking right now. Because Israel believes that just as they lost the kingdom, they're going to restore it. They lost the kingdom by force and they think that they're going to regain the kingdom by force. But God has a better plan. He's going to restore his kingdom through love. Amen? Amen. We're going to come to find out later that this, is going to be, this prophecy is going to be fulfilled. So Isaiah is going to challenge them. 
to rethink everything that they think about the kingdom of God. And the first thing that we have to rethink in the kingdom of God is peace. Say peace. Peace. The culture of this world teaches that in order for us to experience peace, we have to have all the material stuff. We put our safety, we put our trust in money, in finances, in properties, in cars. And the more, we, the more we obtain, the more we want, the more we desire. And now all of a sudden, we, we feel that we have to protect what we have. And in order to acquire those things, we're going to compromise who we are so that we can obtain those things that feel like peace to us. I don't know about you. But that sounds to me very exhausting. That doesn't sound to me like peace. That sounds like fear. That sounds like insecurity. That's so exhausting. But in the kingdom of God, the peace that he's going to offer is not going to make any sense. You see, as Israel says that the messenger is going to come bringing the good news and the first thing that they're going to experience is peace. But wait a minute. Israel is on the ruins looking around. The walls of the temple are destroyed. The fortified cities are destroyed. They're in the ruins. And the messenger comes and he says, God's kingdom is going to be restored. And all of a sudden they get excited. Yes, God's kingdom is here. But wait a minute, the temple is still destroyed. Wait a minute, the city is still in ruins. Doesn't make any sense. The peace of God surpasses our understanding. You see, when in our darkest moments, God's peace will be with us. When we believe that the, the whole weight of the world is crashing upon us. We can turn and we can experience God's peace like never before. Don't ask me how. It doesn't make any sense. But I know that God offers his peace in his kingdom. So we're going to be challenged by Isaiah to rethink peace. The second thing that Isaiah points out that the kingdom of God has to offer is good things. So let's rethink the good things. I have a five-year-old boy and a five-month-old five boy, and no boy are they something. <laughs> uh, and I should say that my wife and I have two boys because, you know, she kind of uh, carries them in the womb and, you know, she's putting up with them. So, you know, we have two boys. My wife and I have two boys. And, uh, you know, the, the five-month-old is acting like a baby. Go figure. And then the five-year-old is acting like a baby. <laughs> and sometimes he pushes his limits. He pushes the boundaries. And, you know, although he's a big boy, uh, he pushes his boundaries. And oftentimes my wife and I ask ourselves if we are being good parents. Any parents in the, in the room feel the same way? Amen. We're not alone. And we think if, if we're discipling our children correctly, if we're loving them the way they want to feel loved, so my wife and I sat down and we said, how can we love our children and how can they receive our love without us loving them the way we think that they should be loved? So we sat down and we started thinking about this and she said, well, I know that Mario, the five-year-old, when we give him our time, when we give him our full attention, he is at his best. I said, I agree with you. I said, what about the second one? She said, well... If we encourage him, if we, if we give him words of affirmation, he's going to be a better person. I said, eh, eh, 
I know my son, and uh, I think he likes gifts. She said, nah, I don't think so. I said, well, why don't you go and try it? Go ahead, go ahead, go. Go, go, go. Go, affirm your child, go affirm your child. So there she goes. Mario, you're amazing, you're such a good boy, you're so handsome, you're obedient, I am so proud of you. And Mario's like, okay, cool, like, okay, okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. Like, and after like four hours of <laughs> affirming him, he was like, are we done now? And then I go and I said, can I try now? She said, all right, fine, go. And I get a little, little surprise and I said, hey, Mario. I got a little surprise for you. <gasps> a surprise for me, daddy? A surprise for me? He starts dancing. He starts running in place. For me, daddy? For me? A surprise for me? I said, yeah, but it's something very, very little. It's okay, daddy. It's okay. I love your gifts. I love your gifts, daddy. It's okay. It's okay. I look at my wife and I say, you know what? We're not keeping score, but if we were, <laughs> one point me. And the more I think about, about this, I realize that the scripture says that if we as bad parents want good gifts for our children, how much more God, who is a good father, will want something good for us. And that's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. And I'm blown away when I think about this. You see, God loves us. He gives us good things. So he gives us the Holy Spirit so that through the Holy Spirit, we can have access to him and access to everything good in his kingdom. That blows my mind because everything goes back to him and he thinks of everything about his kingdom so that I can enjoy and have full access to his kingdom through the Holy Spirit. I have a good friend of mine. He is very influential in the rugby world. And one time, there was gonna be the World Series and, and the best players, the best teams in the world were gonna gather together to fight for the title. And he invited my family and I, and you know, so I can't afford World Series tickets, so if it's on you, I'll take it. So my whole family and I went on him, and we got there, and you know, the first night, we're on our own, doing our own thing. And then the next day he says, you know what, you're coming with me. So he starts taking us to this place and we start getting closer to the field. And I'm like, oh my goodness, oh snap, oh snap, this looks so good. And then next thing you know, I have a seat right there. The players are playing right in front of me. I'm like, my goodness, this is amazing. This is the best experience I've ever had. And then I turned to my wife and I said, obviously our wedding was best. It was the best, but... <laughs> But this is the best experience I've ever had. And uh, honestly, I, I was so excited about those seats, about my position at that point. But then I started looking around and I realized I don't fit here. I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. I can't afford to be here. I don't deserve to be here. You know, all the people, I can't afford to be here. I can't. But anyway, I'm not going to mind it because I'm so excited about this. And then I started smelling something good. There was some steak. See, there was, there were some, some chefs cooking steak. 
And I was like, hmm, that smells good. And then I saw some chefs uh, making sushi. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that must cost a fortune. And then I was, you know, whatever. I'm just enjoying the game. And then my son comes and he says, daddy, 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 I'm thirsty. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me watch this. Like, daddy, 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 I'm thirsty. And I'm thinking, man, the water here is probably like 50 bucks. I can't afford no 50 bucks. Son, just watch the game. Just watch the game. I'm watching the game, super excited. Yay, USA. And then my son comes again. Daddy, 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 I'm so thirsty. Like, boy, you better swallow your saliva. (laughs) I'm not going to pay no 50 bucks for a water bottle. I can't afford that. He goes and says, daddy, I'm really thirsty. Say, fine, let's go. And as I'm going, I'm like, God, please let it be no more than $20 because that's all I got. <laughs> I hope that they can sell me a water bottle for 20 bucks. I mean, how much is this? 40 bucks. Can you empty the half and just sell me half of the bottle? I don't know, something, right? What, what can $20 get me? You know, two sips? Come on, son. Um, and then I get there, a little embarrassed, I'm not going to lie. And uh, I go up and I say, um, excuse me. How much is the water? I was like, God, please, no more than 20. And then they tell me, oh, sir, it's free. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) Sir, it's free. Oh, in that case, let me get two water bottles. Actually, one for my wife. Let me get three water bottles. And then I, like, excuse me. How much is, is that steak over there? Like, uh, sir, it's free. Huh? <laughs> Th- that steak that they're cooking in front of you? Uh, yes, sir, it's free. What, what about the sushi? <laughs> sir, it's free. What about the carrot cake and, and the cheesecake over there? <laughs> sir, everything in here is, you have access to everything in, in this place. Well, in that case, let me get the steak, let me get the sushi, let me get the carrot cake, let me get the cheesecake, because now all of a sudden I know that I have access to everything and I want it all. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us access to every good thing in the kingdom of God, whether we want to choose to, whether we want to choose to receive it or not. It's available. We have access to it. I wonder if sometimes because of our self-righteousness or maybe our our self-insecurities, we hinder our lives from experiencing full access to the kingdom of God. When we know that we have access to it. But maybe that's a question that I need to take to God. Maybe that's a question that you need to take to God. Because trust me, God has given you access to everything good in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. The third and final thing. Amen. You can, you can clap for that. The third and final thing that Isaiah points out that God's kingdom has is salvation. So we are encouraged to rethink the way that we look at salvation. You see, in God's kingdom, there is peace. Say peace. Peace. In God's kingdom, there are good things. And in God's kingdom, there is salvation. Say salvation. 
And when we think about this, we realize that salvation is going to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But Isaiah prophesied this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So if you turn to Matthew 4.13, we're going to read when one of the prophecies is fulfilled. fulfilled. Matthew 4.13, as we read things salvation, pay attention to this passage. And leaving Nazareth, this is Jesus, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Sebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. By who? Saying, the land of Sebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sought in darkness have seen a great light. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This reminds me of something that I read before. People were sitting in darkness, hopeless, but then they have seen a light. And upon those who sat in the region of shadow of death, light has dawned. Maybe this is the time where they're going to experience a little bit of hope in the midst of their pain, in the midst of the destruction of the city and the walls around them. They're going to experience a messenger coming in. And watch this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's say that this is the kingdom. Let's say that this is my hand. You following? The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand, meaning that we can reach out and grab it. Meaning that we have access to the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. So Jesus went on preaching that the kingdom is at hand. And oftentimes he used uh, parables to explain what the kingdom of God was like. And uh, as he preached that, he uncovered more and more and more realities of the kingdom of God. It was amazing. The kingdom is at hand. But the word he uses is repent. And when we think about repentance, we might get a little bit intimidated by that, by that word. You see, repentance at its very core in the original language, it means to rethink the way we think. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. To rethink the way we think, that means repentance? In that case, let me, let me rethink the way I think about peace. Let me rethink the way I think about good things. Let me rethink the way I think about salvation. When I was single and didn't know my wife, I was pursuing my dreams, my goals, and I met her. And then all of a sudden, I was thinking, like, man, I want her to notice me. I want her to notice me. I wanted to notice me, and I did everything that I could for her to notice me. Well, I think that sometimes in, in order for us to experience God's kingdom, we have to make up our mind. Rethink the way we think. We make up our mind. So at that time, I said, 
I am going to make up my mind and all of a sudden all these things that I know I'm pursuing, they don't mean nothing to me anymore because now I'm pursuing something. And you know what? Nothing came in the way. Nobody was able to talk me out because I had made up my mind. I said I'm going to marry her. I'm going to, I'm going to make her notice me and I'm going to do everything that it takes so that she can marry me. I made up my mind. I wonder what would happen if some of us in this place will make up their mind to leave toxic relationships. But maybe you have to make up your mind. You have to rethink the way you think. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Make up your mind. Do not be enslaved. Because when you walk away, you make up your mind, you walk away, then all of a sudden you start experiencing freedom. You start being set free. When a person is in addictions and they make up their mind, they rethink the way they think, all of a sudden they experience freedom. And let me tell you something. Repentance is not feeling sorry. Repentance is not feeling guilty. Repentance means to rethink the way we think. In other words, if you think that God doesn't love you, that God is mad at you, rethink the way you think because God is crazy about you. God loves you. If you think that God is distant, think again. Rethink the way you think because God is pursuing you. He is close. All you have to do is call upon his name. Rethink the way you think, but you have to make up your mind. I wonder if this is the reason why the prodigal son made up his mind when he was in the puddle of mud. When he was desiring to eat the food of the pigs. He was at his lowest. He had wasted everything, all the money he had. Everybody abandoned him and there he was sitting in the muddle of pot about to fight this pig for the food. And at that moment, he looked up and he remembered that he had a father. He had a father. And he said, maybe, maybe what if I go back to my father and I ask for forgiveness and I say, God, Father, I repent. Would you please take me in as a servant because I do not deserve to be a child, your child anymore. But would you take me in? And then he said, yeah, in my father's house, the, 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 the servants are treated with dignity, with respect. In my father's house, the, the servants have access to everything good in my father's house. In my father's house, I feel, I feel that I can be rescued. So he made up his mind. He left the mud puddle and he started running, running towards freedom, running, running towards breakthrough. And when he got there, he experienced his father. Welcoming him with arms wide open. But he had to make up his mind. Some of you need to make up your mind today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. Because this reminds me, the, the story that, uh, of the prodigal son reminds me of Israel. When they're sitting in the darkness... The walls are right there. The temple is destroyed. We're sitting in ruins. We're sitting in the ashes. We have no hope. And at that moment, they turn to God. And God sends a messenger that is going to bring the good news. He's going to bring the kingdom. He's going to bring a peace, good things, and salvation. 
I'm going to invite all of you in this room to close your eyes, to bow your heads. If you're at one of the campuses, close your eyes, bow your heads. In a minute, we're going to pray. But as you listen to my voice, I want us to start rethinking about the kingdom of God. You see, Isaiah points out that in his kingdom, there will be peace, good things, and salvation. Maybe you've been coming to church for such a long time, and you know about the kingdom of God, but maybe this is your opportunity for you to rethink the kingdom of God. Maybe, maybe, just, just, just maybe, you're here for the first time, Someone invited you or you came here by yourself and you have no idea what you're doing here in the first place. You're thinking, what am I doing here? In a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to make up your mind. Because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that you and I can be saved. So that you and I can experience freedom. So that his kingdom will be restored in our lives. And as we do that, we experience the fullness of his kingdom. We experience peace that surpasses our understanding. We experience good things that come from him and access to all the things in his kingdom. And we also experience salvation. So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, pray this prayer in the privacy of your heart. Dear God, I make up my mind today. I ask that your kingdom, your love would overwhelm me, that I can experience your love like never before. I surrender to you. I don't want to live this life on my own. I give you my life. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask that I want to follow you. I believe that you're my Lord and Savior, Jesus. From this day forward, I want to live this life according to your kingdom. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if you pray that prayer for whatever reason, I'm going to count to three and then I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Remember, we have to make a decision. You have to make up your mind. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, maybe your heart is beating a lot faster than usual here at the campuses. Repentance. Rethink the kingdom of God. If you pray that prayer for whatever reason, at the count of three, stand to your feet. One, two, three, stand to your feet. God bless you, 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 God bless you. God bless you.